The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks for salad. You know, you're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast. I am Mike Stevens of Yahoo Sports, and sitting across from me is the future first GM, female future first female GM in NHL history. I always mess that up. It's kind of a bit now. Maybe we should just stop saying that. I think I'm going to keep saying that forever and right. eventually get it right. It's Rachel Dory. <laughs> Rachel, how you doing? I'm doing well. Birthday week. Birthday week. It sure is. Um, and speaking I of my that. McDonald's today. Yeah, you brought you graciously brought me some McDonald's, which legitimately rebooted my system. I, you know, I, I am in a great mood. Yeah, today. <laughs> we have trades. We have fun stuff to talk about. It is going to be awesome. This and has been how many episodes a week are we doing now? So I'm glad you brought that up, Rachel. Um, we made a little shift in, in format. We, we are going to be doing two, ep- we're expanding to two episodes a week now. So instead of one two hour marathon that we were putting you guys through, we're going to do two one hour episodes around that. Have Maybe some fun. Maybe hour and 15, hour 20. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll what see. It, we'll see what it gets to, but you're getting double the content essentially. Hashtag content. Hashtag content, which is what the world, you know, it's, it's what the world revolves around these days. It's content. Right. It makes so the world go around. You're going to get new episodes Tuesdays. Yes. And Fridays. Sure. You sure are. It's going to be awesome. Vibes. Vibes. Speaking of which, we should probably jump right in because this, boy, the, this this past weekend specifically has been nuts. Like the, the rumor mill and then the news cycle spinning out of control. But before we get into, I'm assuming what all of you want us to talk about, which is the line for Dubois, tra- Dubois trade, I want to talk about, first of all, the Tyler Toffoli revenge tour. <laughs> who, he, uh, he had himself a, a, a few games against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, yeah, considering defense decided to not participate. So the Canucks, they're like, they're worse than we even expected them to be. Okay. So I think that they have played three of, I believe they're like five games against the Habs. So, and objectively like the Habs, the Habs are better. Yeah. The Habs are very good. So I think like tonight against Ottawa, we'll Mm. see like if Vancouver gets stomped by Ottawa today, there's going to be a an issue. Ottawa's not even that bad. Like they're, they're, that's what I'm saying. So like they're we'll get a, a better view of what of they are, where they are. They're playing someone more akin to their skill level, but also like the, as I said, this market doesn't necessarily target other people. It eats itself, eats itself. The amount of like infighting I've seen on Canucks Twitter Woo! has been unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. There it's was incredible. There was one of a guy who was essentially like, I'm going to just, I'm paraphrasing this tweet because I don't have it in front of me. But it was a guy saying, I'm just going to create a rumor that um, Pedersen has COVID because that's the explanation that... Wait, what? Yeah, he was just like, I'm just going to create a... He tweeted this out. Like, I'm just going to... No, I missed this. He was like, I'm just going to create a rumor. I'm going to create a rumor that Pedersen has COVID because that's the only explanation I, I can think of for him playing this bad. Okay, can I just say something? Please do not joke... About someone getting yeah. the literal global plague. Yeah, it that'd is be... the farthest thing from funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not cool, and you deserve all of the karma that's coming your way. Do not joke about someone getting COVID. That's not funny. Over a million people have died worldwide, so that's... 
It's just Ooh, and that one there. It's just insane. This, but people like rip. I've seen people ripping on Pedersen. He doesn't look good. That's the thing. Okay, he doesn't look good, but like neither does the rest of the team. Yeah. Quinn Hughes is, I believe, minus eight, mm-hmm. which isn't. We don't love plus minus, but, but if it, you're minus eight in three games, that's a big yeah, issue. Like in in certain sample size, it tells you something. Right. Yeah. Tyler a, Myers yeah. has been. Oh my goodness. Objectively terrible. And what we're two years? This is year two of a five-year deal. It's things are great. This, um, well, it's literally Quinn Hughes and his band of merry men, yeah. and the body language on Quinn Hughes right now it's not, is not good, uh, not great. And it really doesn't tell a good. It, it doesn't, and you had this on our Thursday show prep, but it really doesn't doesn't hint towards a good future, an amicable future that Elias Patterson, who is up at the end of this year who is able, unlike Quinn Hughes, is able to get offer sheeted. Like, he's not eligible for arbitration. So, no. But he's able to get offer sheeted. And we're going to talk about this in depth yes, on Thursday. Yes, has changed agencies to, a like, the power broker agency. It's, it's Pat Brisson, right? Yeah, so he he's chosen um, CAA, mm-hmm. so it'll be Brisson Barry. Um, and we'll get we'll leave this here yes. because we're going to talk about it very much in depth I had, on Thursday. I had my fingers crossed for Darren Ferris, like, so I hard. I would not trust that man to negotiate... A house for me? Never mind. Darren Ferris? No, not even at, a little bit. You know what? At the end of the day, it worked. He got what he wanted. Yeah. Okay, so but Tyler Toffoli. Yes. The Canucks decided to qualify Jake Vertanen as opposed to just letting him walk for the same amount of money, essentially, that Tyler Toffoli signed for. Mind-boggling. And in his first game back mm-hmm. with the owner in the building. You better believe it. Tyler Toffoli scored a hat trick. This is on Hockey Night in Canada, right? He followed it up. Yeah, on Hockey Night in Canada. With a two-goal performance. Whew. People in the Toronto market talk about how embarrassing it is that former players come back and score on yeah. them. That is a new level of embarrassing. That, like, that's insane. Not only did he come back and score that's against personal. you, he scored five goals against you in 24 hours. Yeah, that's personal. That's really difficult to accomplish. Like he, So he's one, two, three. Oh, no, that's points. He is, in terms of goals... I think he's leading the league in goals right now, or tied for... He is tied for the league leading goals, and yeah. all of those goals came in a 24-hour span against his former team. Not great if you're Jim Benning and John Weisbrod. N- not a good look. No, no. Not the best. I wonder what Weisbrod's going to say on his burner. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day to day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's No wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, 
With 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Account. I can't wait. And speaking of burner accounts, Rachel. Yes. This. Okay. So there is one of the best days in. Um, yeah. So plot points. Yes. Well, we're getting into plot points. This even maybe even transcends plot points because Tony D's Twitter break again takes a nosedive in the plot points. So I would just like to say to everyone that I kind of I only logged on to Twitter like when I tweeted something this weekend. For, I just like mm. was dealing with other things yeah. and getting piled on at school. Mm. And then I heard about this and my first instinct was, oh my God, Mikey is going oh, to lose it. The amount of tweets that I got, people were DMing me. Like I got like 10 DMs of being like, do you see this shit? I was, I was so like, Whoa. excited. I purposely didn't talk to you about it yeah, because I have been save waiting it. for today. So what's fantastic about this, and we haven't even said what it is, but... Can you fill me in on what okay. happened, please? <laughs> so, <clears throat> as we all know, the night that Donald Trump got Thanos snapped off of Twitter banned from Twitter. Tony D threw a little hissy fit, said he was going off Twitter. You can find me on Parlor. Which then got shut down. Which then got shut down. Again, hilarious. His entire life is him just dunking on himself. Um, I was told that the Rangers dealt with this internally. Oh yeah, we were we were we told by David Quinn himself that it was dealt internally? Seems to be going very well. So, and okay. this this is some of the best investigative journalism we've seen of our time. And it wasn't conducted by me. It was conducted by... I'm shocked it wasn't conducted I know. by you, quite well, frankly. I, was, I didn't even know this was happening until I got legitimately like at least 10 people DMing me this like the same exact tweet just being like, yo, you see this shit, man? I'm like, no way. Okay, so give okay. us the tea. So... <clears throat> because I went and um, I have parents who work very high mm -hmm. up in IT yeah. and I got the background on how this was done. Yeah, incredible, <laughs> incredible. This is, again... The, the internet undefeated like we don't fight the internet for this segment don't fight the internet it is undefeated it will always find you out anyway so tony d'angelo so the night that trump got booted off twitter forever d'angelo followed suit essentially and he deactivated his account tony deactivate tony deactivate exactly and so then we were told the rangers dealt with this internally you know because he's again always been a a very controversial as we'll say presence on twitter he's being a piece of shit on twitter essentially him and him and brendan lemieux are trying to promote the brent the tony and brenda racism hour as we've said many times they're they're big on that and it, it's, it's just been a headache you can't i cannot think of any other team's pr staff that has to deal with more shit than the new york rangers oh, do they're the rangers to, and to boot the, yes and they're and they're the most valuable like in terms of dollars they're the most highly valued team in the nhl like it's it's insane in the biggest media market. You would, in yeah, like. <laughs> so Tony, we all thought Tony D was gone. We were all happy. We were. Quite it frankly. was for for the what month and a bit, not even like for the for the the two weeks that he was gone. You know, joy. People Bliss. filled flooded the streets. It was joyous. You know, bellies were full. Rainbows were falling from the sky. It was, you know, gum. Uh, the sidewalks were made of gumdrops. It was it was amazing. And then what happened? And then someone noticed that an account. 
Actually, let me pull up. I the... believe it was NYR fan. Yeah, lots of numbers. I, I want to read so it he out. He was literally Bobby. Lots of numbers. Exactly. Now I want to read this out in full. Um, because wasn't it like okay? So he started replying to people who were, who were attacking bashing Tony D'Angelo, which is like the easiest way to get fi- found out. Yeah. So essentially, so he he made a burner account on Twitter. Bobby, lots of numbers. NYR fan nine three zero whatever. Literally like 50 numbers. With his junior hockey number in it? That's dumb. Yeah, I think so. Was, was that his num- junior hockey number? Real, really I smart. Even, I, I don't care enough about Tony D'Angelo to know what his junior hockey number is. And so, and he's, and he's replying. And it's not even like, it'll be people, it'll be people in the replies. It's not, it's not like he just searched his name on Twitter and then replied to those people. It was all people replying to New York Rangers, like the at New York Rangers account bashing D'Angelo. And it was him going, oh, you don't even know. Uh, he's better than you. Tired joke. Like everyone kind of dunking on him. is like, tired joke, tired joke. So people are going, this is a little peculiar. It, why it's is a this, little suspicious. Yeah, why is this person who tweets exactly like Tony D'Angelo usually does only going on the official team account? Like he's, go, he's in the replies of the official team account only defending Tony D'Angelo. It's you th- weird. You would think if you're a New York Rangers fan, you'd want to defend the New York Rangers in general. You go through those replies, and if someone's bashing Zabinajad or someone's bashing... Paderen. Jesper Fast or something, right? Okay, like, so he doesn't even play for them anymore? Oh, I don't even know. Like, but I get your... I'm trying to think of the Tony most... D'Angelo. I'm trying to think of the most... Like a role play... Like Brandon Smith, anyone like that, you know? Yeah. And yet it's only him. And so we're like, oh, okay, what's going on here? So someone went in, back into the metadata. Because... Because yes. again, the internet is undefeated. And they found and they tracked the IP address from where it was tweeted. So they located the date, obviously the date, the time, the and the area. And so it happened to be when these when these accounts were being when these tweets were being sent, it was at I think it was nine oh four on um this on January nineteenth, I think, which is when the when the Rangers they were, they were playing a double set in Philly. Tony D played the first game and he was scratched a second game. And during that second game where he was scratched, it was sent on the mobile Twitter app at 9.04. Their game started at 7.30. So Tony D was tweeting during the game from this burner account, something you're not supposed to do. And then on top of that, it was fr- in Philadelphia, which yeah, is where the located, team was. Like I saw yeah. the They located location. like the cell tower it was closest to. And it was like the cell tower closest to, um, what is it? What's, what's Philly's? I believe... The, I don't, the Flyers Arena. Home Arena, yes. yeah, right near Lincoln Field. Exactly. Yeah. It's him. And so he goes... No, and, and then he continued tweeting, and someone tracked it to Pittsburgh. Yes. Which is where they were next. Yeah. So, so like... Unless New York... Unless official NYR fan, you know, nine whatever... Is traveling with the team. Is is such a such a NYR fan that he's following the team around... During a pandemic. During a pandemic on their pilgrimage throughout <laughs> the, their division. That's Tony D'Angelo. And it's, it's like, it's from a mobile Twitter app, so you can do, like... Didn't I see at one point, it was like they had pinged it to the hotel that the Rangers I, were also staying I at? I didn't know, I didn't know if it was that in-depth, but it's hilarious. And my favorite part of all this is someone DM'd... <laughs> this Multiple is, people well, DM'd, DM'd him. him. And so, no, so he went into full... My friend DM'd yeah. him and was like, so Tony D'Angelo's so, account blocked me, are you gonna are block you me too? And he's like, I'm gonna block you here too. It's yeah. like... Of course. But what's okay. so what's great is so he went on the defensive then. He's like, for those asking if I'm Tony D'Angelo, I'm not Tony D'Angelo, I'm just someone who cares about him. Blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into people so then so then someone replies all this metadata stuff and he goes, What? He literally responses or what? How'd you do this? You know I could sue you for hacking, right? Okay, so way to just give it away. Yeah, and then 
This is and f- also show your ass because no, you can't. Yes. And what's really what the funniest part of this is someone someone DMs to, uh, this account. I'm just going to call him Tony. But someone DM this account in one word with no space. It just said Tony D'Angelo says what? And then the, the, their account replied what? And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His instead of Bobby, lots of numbers. It's Tony. Lots yeah. of numbers. I don't get like this guy. Can you not just shut the fuck up? Like, no. I, like for the love of God, man! Like, how what? many how many MAGA people do you know that can That's simply true. just? That's true. But at the same, like, what what like? This is another headache for the Rangers. At what point do they cut bait here? Like, at what point do they sit like, down? And be how like, is this not a violation of your contract? Well, it is because you're not allowed to tweet during games. You're not allowed to. I know that. I feel like. Oh yeah, you know what? You might be right. You're not because I remember someone was. I remember being in a Mar- like in a Marley's press box and some weird snitch like with like we, when we were at the with Scotiabank the scratches sit above press row and right. someone noticed that like I think it was like Jeremy Bracco or something was on his phone and then like saw that he liked a tweet went through his likes and saw that it was tweets like from and so like literally tweeted like Jeremy Bracco is tweeting during the game like during the game which is a violation of rule blah 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 so like regardless of how much of a dweeb that guy is yeah, i was gonna yeah. say um Re- regardless of how much that guy desperately needs to get laid we're gonna this is this is like at what point this is next level there's a difference between liking tweets during whistles and tweeting out from a burner, burner account, account only de- from defending only yourself. defending you and then going and then threatening to sue someone then threatening to sue and then people were calling him a guido and he quote tweeted you know guido's a racial slur right you know, oh he said my that. God, he like stuff not. like that. And so that was the one where we were all like, yep, that's Tony D. And what was great about this too is so this happened on like early evening Saturday, like maybe five. And so I was, I was cooking, puttering around the place, doing some cleaning, whatever. Yeah. And I get a call from Steve Dangle. I'm like, oh, okay. Like what's going on here? And so I'm like, hey, Steve, what's up? And he's just like, I'm out for a, I'm out for a walk with my dog and my son right now. Tell me everything about what, what's going on with Tony D'Angelo. And I was like, oh yeah. And then at, at the end of the call, he's like, the enthusiasm in your voice will sustain me throughout the week. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's, this is so delicious. This is Michelin star, fi- you know. It is a chef's mwah, kiss. Ratatouille. Mwah. Like this is remarkable. I, I cannot believe how dumb this guy is. It is a remarkable level of stupidity. I will never tire of talking about how stupid this guy is. He's never. honestly, yeah, like it, it has to get to a point where at some point you get called in the GM's office. How is it not happening already? I don't know how we're not here already. And, and Jeff Gordon basically has to go, um, like cut the shit, man. You are not allowed to have a Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> Any like, Twitter account. Just stay off social media. Literally. Or like or there will be consequences. Could you imagine if Tony D'Angelo was an Islander and was pulling this under Lou? Well, There's we, no way. We saw what happened when Garrett Sparks went rogue on a Facebook group that was private. Yeah, when, not when, like when Lou was running the organization. Tweeting all manner of Yeah. But we, but, but we saw what happened there. Yeah, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. Like, but this... If there's one player who needs Lou Lamorello, it is Tony D'Angelo. And there's already... Like, what I don't get about this, too, is that he's already on thin ice. There's a reason why he can tweet during games, because he's scratched. Because he's not a regular... For being an idiot. For being an idiot. He's not a regular in the lineup. Guys, like, I'm here to tell you that if you think David Quinn scratched Tony D'Angelo for poor play and, and willfully carted Jack Johnson out there, like... Look, you're a little misled. To there. be fair, like, you're Tony, not scratching a four and a half million dollar yeah. defenseman to keep Jack Johnson in the lineup 
after one game. To be fair, though, Tony D has played like shit this year. He also took a really, really selfish, unsportsmanlike, unsportsmanlike penalty. penalty. So here's what, again, here's what I don't get as well. is Dude, that he can't conduct himself properly on the ice. He can't conduct himself properly off the ice. Like, it's just a litany of shit. But if you're, if you're already on thin ice like that, like if you're, like you're already, like you're already getting scratched, you've had to be, I'm assuming you've had to be called into at least like the PR head's office like a million times. Oh yeah, PR wants to kill him. Exactly. How could they not? He is the biggest problem in their life right now. He is the biggest headache for them. Um, like I, being I, in PR for the New York Rangers is tough enough as it is. Yeah, it, this this is insane. And so at what point do you go, maybe I should just, and it, it, again, it's the dumb hockey cliche, but at what point do I just put my head down and like kind of move forward here? Because like clearly this is getting me in hot water. Clearly, like I, yes, I just signed an extension, but I've been called into like I've I've been cited for you know insolence on social media like a million times. I've I've clearly I'm assuming he's he's talked to the GM at this point. Like at this point, come on, you'd be yeah. extremely responsible. It'd be negligent to it, not exactly. Like at a certain point, you have to call him in. You your job is to oversee what's going on with the players in your organization. And this guy is trending every night whenever whenever he does some shit. Like you gotta call him in there. And then on top of this, you're getting you're high priced player and you're getting scratched during the early seasons of the game, like, and, and a lot of it is not due to like, yes, he's been playing like shit, but a lot of it's not necessarily due to his play. At what point do you just go, maybe I'm going to shut up for a while because my career is on the line. Is it really worth, you yeah, know, how many teams actually want to sign Tony D'Angelo? I can't. Like, I wouldn't. Columbus, I guess would, would do it because they have a bunch of MAGA guys on their team, but you know, or at least alleged MAGA guys on their team, but I don't know. Like, it just, th- this isn't, it's, it's hilarious. So that's our only really meaningful plot point of the week because, come on, that, that's amazing. Now, before we get into our deep dive and we talk about the Dubois line A trade, with which Rachel has a lot of really intriguing information on, and I cannot wait to dive deep onto that, a quick word from our sponsor. Support for the Staff and Graph podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So Manscaped just launched in the UK. It's huge. They've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first men or women in England to experience their life-changing products. Now, look, we've all had mishaps before. The human body is nooks and crannies, and it's tough to hit those with precision every once in a while. I've been on the receiving end of of some incidences. Let me just say that. You know, I I was very uneducated growing up in this realm of personal uh, maintenance, I'd say. So there have been times where, you know, you walk away with some cuts and bruises. But Manscaped, no. They've redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents. And when I tell you this is premium, folks, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. They also have waterproof technology, which allows you to do in the shower. I mean, look, personally... That's where I do it. It's fantastic. And one of the coolest features. Now, this touches my heart personally. LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. This thing's got an upgraded 7,000 RPM motor with quiet technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You should have remember loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off promo code staffgraph, free shipping. All right, Rachel. Over the weekend, the NHL did its closest, closest NBA impression. 
This is the closest I think the, the NHL to me has felt to the NBA. And these aren't even like top, top flight players. But this is disgruntled. There's rumors. There's, you know, clashing personalities behind the scenes. It's, it's a soap opera, essentially. Yes. And there's, you know, intent, intentional sabotage. Intention, intentional, intentional sabotage. Mike is having a lot of issues speaking I'm, today. I'm in the middle of having a stroke right now, apparently. Clearly. It's ridiculous. Intentional sabotage, you know, backroom deals. This has been a very interesting, interesting little saga in the NHL. And so on Saturday, we learned that Pierre... Well, on Friday. On Friday, yes. Yes. Well, yeah, because Rachel broke the trade. On Friday, it was very clear... Something was going down. ...that Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to be traded. And they, I guess, like, I don't know why it took until Saturday morning, um... But it would like the deal was done on, yeah. on Friday night. Okay, so the trade was you know Pierre Luc Dubois goes to the Winnipeg Jets with a third round pick, with a third round pick in twenty twenty two. Yep, reunites with his father, who's an assistant for the Manitoba Moose. Yep, you know nepotism's always got to have that through line in hockey. And going back the other way to Columbus is Patrick Laine and Jack Roslevic, who was holding out. Who was holding out? So there's a lot of through lines here that I want to get into. Noted Columbus native. Yeah, I didn't Jack even know, know about that. Obviously, let's do the two big fish first, and then we can even get in a little bit into Rosovic because there's some intriguing stuff there, too. Before we even get into sort of the backroom dealings here, who won the trade, in your opinion? Um, I think there's a caveat. Because this is, this is pretty, this so, is as close to a hockey deal as I think we've seen. Oh, it's a, it's a hockey deal. Yeah. It's, it's very reminiscent of Jones-Johansson, yeah. where it's kind of a win-win. For, like, we're, we're taking from a strength to address a need. Like, yeah, like it's a win-win. I yeah. think, legitimately, I think this is a win-win deal. Mm-hmm. Um, now I would say this goal scoring talent is at a premium, a lot more difficult to find Mm -hmm. there in any given year. There are maybe seven guys who score 40 goals in the entire league Mm -hmm. consistently. Yeah. Every year since 2016, there have been three. Wow. Alexander Ovechkin, Mm -hmm. David Posternock, Austin Matthews. Yeah. Everyone else kind of goes in like a Zabanajad scored forty. That was a bit of a fluke, like shooting percentage. Yeah. And he's bit not gonna score forty again. Like that was a Chichu with Thornton spike type you know, vibe. Yeah. Jeff Skinner, the same thing. Yeah. Like that's not happening again. Um, but Patrick Line, since he's coming to the league, he has already scored forty four once. Yes. Um, he's scored thirty six, thirty two, something like that. And then last year had twenty eight in, yeah, in in a down in a horrific down year. In not only in a down year, in a shortened year. Like he would have mm-hmm. hit thirty anyways. So here, here's his here's his goal scoring lineup throughout his career. So in seventy three games his rookie year, he had thirty six. Then eighty two games in his sophomore year, forty four. Obviously, seventy points. Big big uh big old spike. Then you know in eighteen nineteen where we all thought, what's going on with Lina here? He's hit a wall. It's crazy. Thirty. He's still thirty. Still had thirty goals in his sleep. In his and this was again like he only finished fifty points and this was that year where I remember people were like, "What the hell is going on with Patrick yeah. Line?" In his sleep, he yeah. scored thirty goals. And then in sixty-eight games last year, he had twenty-eight, but also had far and away his most assists in his career with thirty-five to finish with he's his really come along as a passer. Yeah. And then he's only played one game this year, but he was dominant. He had two goals and one assist and the overtime winner and the overtime winner and so, he looked like Patrick Line of old. He to looked, me, yeah, to me. If Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic sign long-term in Columbus, because Laine's deal is up at the end of this yes. year. If they sign long-term in Columbus and both hit their potential, which I think Laine can score 40 goals in the year, like every year, 
without like mm-hmm. kind of a second thought. Depending kind on of how thing. you're using him, because he was never used properly in, in Winnipeg. He's gonna too. be the trigger man on the power of play. Of course. That, like, of course. They're not playing Wawrenski and Jones on the power play anymore. That yeah. shit's gone. Right? Mm-hmm. Even John Tortorella was like, I'm gonna have a power play weapon. This is amazing. This is amazing. He's never, has he? He is going to score 40 goals. Yeah, this okay. is his best offensive weapon since Panarin. If Columbus can manage to keep both of them, I think Columbus wins the deal. Because to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. acquiring a 40 goal scorer is a hell of a lot more difficult to do than acquiring a center. Yeah. There aren't 40 goal scorers in every single draft, there are centers. Mm-hmm. Like, this draft upcoming is not a particularly good one. It's yeah. actually terrible. But Matthew Beneers mm-hmm. is going to be a very good center. Yeah. Like, you can get them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to draft them, I'll, but you can get them. Yeah. Um, has Alex Ovechkin been traded? Nope. Nope. Uh, David Posternock? Not that I can recall, no. Nope. Uh, Austin Matthews? Uh, no, no, no. Hasn't been traded yet. Uh, Wait, Leon Dreisaitl not... scored 40. Has he been traded? Uh, shockingly, no. No. Uh, Connor McDavid? Um, give it a year or two. Hasn't been traded. Like, 40 goal scorers, guys who can actually put the puck in the net, mm-hmm. very, very difficult to find. Yeah. So, for me, like, if they can keep line A and he puts up 40 consistently... Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of cap space. Like, that's a win for me, but I also think, like, Winnipeg... Winnipeg's getting Dubois. He's going to play behind Shifley. Mm-hmm. And so it shores up. Like, I think Winnipeg probably has the best center depth in the league now if you go all four. Yes. They don't have the top two. That belongs to Edmonton. Yeah, obviously. Um, and there are other two. Like, I would still take like Malkin Matthews and, and Tavares Crosby. Are really I good. would still take yeah. Matthews and Tavares. But all four, if you go down and you go well, yeah. Shifley, Dubois, Stastny, Lowry. Yeah. Like, that's, that's incredible. formidable. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, for me, I think it's it's... A rare case of you're trading star power, and it's a win-win for mm-hmm. both. It's going to be more about utilization mm-hmm. and uh, being able to retain them. Yeah, I think. Winnipeg, but I think both GMs kind of deserve a ton of credit yeah. for being able to get legitimate assets out of a really untenable situation. Both, yeah, both of these situations were really untenable, and it seemed like this is a great fresh start for both of these players. An unexpected fresh start for Dubois, which again I want to get into. I think Winnipeg loses this deal. On its on its face, pretty handily, just because when you look at it from an asset management point of view, yes, this is going to like help shore up shore them up fantastically right now. But Dubois was like his usage rate is going to go down on Winnipeg. He was the guy on Columbus last year when he when he supposedly had his breakout year, the year that you know inflated his sense of self and made him you know when when people started to recognize him as oh okay, well this guy is a legit player. Like he like he's going to be their second line center now. There's yeah, like he is firmly behind Shifley, Wheelers, Ehlers. Um, like yeah. he is not the star of this team by any means. Exactly, and now and now you look at their and wing- Kyle Connor. I'm sorry, I knew I was forgetting someone. And no, and now you look at their winger depth too, and it's kind of being depleted because you don't have your 40 goal monster right on on the wings anymore. And as well, Winnipeg, like from an asset manager's perspective. Winnipeg retained salary on a 22-year-old former second overall pick who has 40 to 50 goal potential every year. Yeah, but it's just this year. So that was really, like, for me, that that didn't make a difference. I know, but for me, like... That is because of the pandemic stuff. So, like, for me, I don't even... That's okay. not part of the trade. But it just... But the, it took... And it took line A+. Plus. That's what I didn't get. I and get line a, not even just line A, but line A Roslovic. And I think Jack Roslovic is going to be a fantastic middle six forward yeah. for Columbus. He's probably going to play on their second line at some point 
relatively soon. And he signed he's for two. He's going to play on the power play. He's fantastic yeah. defensively. He got a new deal out of it. Two years, one point five mil, right? Yeah, like it's a show me deal. No, but it's still you have him. You have this asset for this year and next to one point five million dollars in the you, flat cap. If you said to me you get to pick Dubois or Line, I'm taking Line. Yeah. And I'm taking Line because of the scoring. Dubois is definitely going to help. Dubois is more well-rounded. But how do you win games? Yeah. You score. It also seemed that the line situation was probably more fixable than Dubois. Yeah. And I'd also like to point out, like, people saying, like, line is down. If we combine last year and this year, which is, like... He's played one game this year. Okay. So we take last year. Mm -hmm. So... Patrick Laine has more points than Matt Barzell, yep. Matthew Kachuk, Jacob Voracek, Johnny Goudreau. He is one point behind Elias Pettersson mm-hmm. and John Tavares, and he is tied with Andrei Svechnikov and William Nylander. Yeah. I think he's going to be all right. He also... If, he, if this is a down year and he's ahead of... Uh, Matthew Kachuk and tied with Nylander and Shveshnikov, like, folks, that's that's a pretty good hockey player. What's also funny is is his shooting percentage was pretty high in his first two years. He, he in his I ro- think he's going to have a high shooting percentage career-wise. In his rookie year, he had 17.6, and then in his sophomore year, in his most, you know, Luke, his, his most fruitful season, he had uh, 18.3, super high. And the next year, his down year, quote-unquote, he went down to 12.2. Yeah, and no, still- I think his shooting percentage is going to end up somewhere around 15. And he still scored 30. He still hovered around 30. Even if he was a money in the bank 30 goal score, like he can score 40, but even if he was a money in the bank 30 goal score, that's a phenomenal asset. That's one that you shouldn't have to add. Like it'd be one thing to add a sweetener of like a second round pick, but like Jack Roslevic, like. Now, Jack Roslevic was obviously holding out, so that's a really depleted asset for Winnipeg. Of course. So they, like, Winnipeg, wa- uh, sorry, Columbus wants him. Winnipeg know he's, knows he's not going to play for them. Mm-hmm. So that's like, a, okay, but then you got to give us a third round well, pick. A third which round is, pick? Which is essentially right now the equivalent in value because Roslevic mm-hmm. is unproven. That's true. So essentially, there's one for one and one for one, it's a wash. Yeah. And I've, I've seen, I've seen Roslevic in person just covering the Marlies. And he's, he's a good. Really good hockey player. He he stood out, you know. And again, that's an AHL sample size, but he stood out amongst his peers. Now, this is. Let's talk about the drama. I cannot wait to talk about this. This is ridiculous. So I here's what I did. I know you know a lot. I don't. I didn't want. I didn't want to know about it offhand. I wanted you to be able to tell me on the podcast. So what I did before the show is I compiled kind of everything that's out there right now. And, you know, that's source. And I want to kind of put it out at face value and then see if it jives with what you have learned. Does that, does that sound fair to you? Sounds fair. Okay. Let's start with Mike McIntyre. I don't know who that is. So Mike McIntyre is a, uh, why do I not have it here? He's a, he works for a Winnipeg newspaper. I think the okay. Winnipeg free press. And so this is, he gets, he gets pretty in depth into what's going on here. So now let's, before we get into any of the stuff we're about to get into, let's get one thing out in the open. Yes. There yes. is one side, there is another side and, then there's and a there truth. is a truth. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, let's start there. What Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine say versus what their teams say are going to be different versus what actually happened. Exactly. Now, now I will give Yarmo Kekalainen some credit. He's a pretty straight up individual. Yeah. And as he was He's never been afraid to tell the truth, he was also on. Um, he was also we, we listened to his Leafs lunch interview uh, right before. We started recording. And we'll get into that in a bit. So this is this is these are I'm going to read a couple segments here from 
Uh, and, and keep just bear with me because it's a lot of reading here. But this is from Mike McIntyre's piece. And these were highlighted by account for hockey. Incredible account who calls everything there. So here's from Mike McIntyre's piece. Source A made it clear to me that the problem was entirely on Winnipeg's power brokers from ownership to general manager Kevin Cheveldayoff to coach Paul Maurice to Blake to Wheeler, Blake Wheeler, who runs the dressing room along with alternate captain Shifley. And they've repeatedly butted heads with the more laid back line. In his mind, they've cultivated a toxic environment that had line looking for the quickest exit. In quotes, the issues in Winnipeg right now have to deal with more issues in the dressing room between competing personalities. And when there is a divided room, that gets around the league. And players generally, if they have other options, are going to exercise them until that whole situation gets cleaned up, the source said. It's a, I'm surprised it's been allowed to go on this long without people in charge in there getting in there and cleaning it up. It's going to have a great impact around the league with people choosing whether to play in Winnipeg or not. This is now not in, in quotes. Now contrast that with what source B told me. And this is very much akin to your, there's one side, there's the other side, and there's the truth. Because these two sources are kind of d- d- opposed in what they're saying. So now contrast with what source B told me, suggesting in no uncertain terms that line A and line A only was the problem. That a perceived lackadaisical approach towards his career quickly wore thin. In quotes, all the issues in the room could be solved by trading one guy, line A. I suspect, like so much in life, the truth here is somewhere in between what source A and source B said. None of the key parties, the ones who really know what went down, are willing to share it publicly. Line A spoke Saturday, refusing to name names or point fingers on his way out the door. I specifically asked him about his relationship with Wheeler and Maurice, and the best he offered up was that there were some emotional clashes with the captain, at times, based on their strong personalities. Wheeler, in an interesting moment of self-reflection, seemed to open the door for blame when he admitted to some regrets regarding his relationship with Line A. He said communication rather than frustration would have been the better route at times. Okay. A lot to unpack there. Let's, let's try and do that. So... How much of that, let's, let's do source A first in what McIntyre is saying here. So McIntyre is essentially saying that, um, he's basically saying that Shifley and Wheeler run the dressing room with an iron fist and, and Line A, who is more laissez-faire, didn't, didn't sort of jive with them okay, so and it's creating a toxic environment. Sure. Out? Um, you don't magically become a 40 goal scorer in the NHL by not working hard like do you do people think that like his shot appeared out of thin air and like he didn't work hard for it like that would seem to not jive like if if i say i'm gonna go hit 40 home runs Mm -hmm. um but i'm not gonna work on it at all and i have a terrible work ethic do you think i'm gonna hit 40 home runs probably not oh totally i put money on that for you yeah absolutely so this is what i'm gonna say what are you gonna say patrick line has the it's fairly well known. He's a little more laid back, as most of the European hockey players are. Yeah. Um, but he, him in particular, he he did his draft day interview like lying on the floor okay. of his hotel room in his pajamas. No, no, no. But that, 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 but that kind of like I want to give some. It plays into the narrative. I want to give some context here. Like you don't see other players doing that. He's a lot more. Out, at least he's more outgoing in his laid backness. If I, if that's yeah, that's fine. If that's but okay to, to say. say that. There's a difference between being laissez-faire and not working hard. Yeah. I played with someone when we were in junior, and as a person, she was actually reminds me a lot of Patrick Line. Like, very laid back, just kind of, like, chill, likes to have fun, likes to act their age, mm-hmm. like, just, just likes to hang out. But then the second that the hockey equipment went on, it was a completely different situation look at dom lecision 
Dom it, it encapsulates Dom is very yeah. Dom encapsulates that personally. He is the chillest dude I know. Probably he's just he's so relaxed. Like and even then when he works his ass off. Even when he was yeah. Even when he was talking about doing team previews, season previews for every team in the NHL, and having to do that in like the span of five days or whatever, he was just like yeah, you know I work like 12 hours a day. like I work you know like a 12 hour shift and I watch an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and it's nice and then I go back and I work myself to the bone but it's pretty chill and he puts out great work he works his ass off he puts in the hours but he's chill and I feel like that's a lot like Patrick Laine right so okay I have seen Mark Shifley train with my own eyes yeah um because his summer training happens to be five minutes from my house great um and it's also where I go and work out great. so I mean I've seen it he is the opposite of Patrick Laine in that he is Mr. Serious mm-hmm. all the time. And Blake Wheeler is very much the same. Good Canadian kid. And and good American kid. Yes. Um, and so if you have those types of personalities, mm-hmm. they can clash. That doesn't mean that Patrick Laine doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler are lunatics who are always looking for hard work with no break. That doesn't mean any of those things. And so when we're reading stories like this, it's more to do with things being blown out of proportion. Mm -hmm. To me, and this is what this screams, is do people who have major personality differences, someone who's type A versus someone who's type C, which is what this is, clash? Yes, absolutely. They clash in real life. Like, they don't just clash in professional sports. They clash in workplaces. They, they clash, clash in relationships. In they clash in relationships. Yeah. They ca- friendships, clash in friendships. Anything. Like, this is yeah. a regular thing. Yeah. And naturally, it makes the person who's a type C feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel ostracized. And that's just not how they are. I would say it speaks volumes that Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Laine were best friends. And I would say Nikolai Ehlers is maybe a type B. Like, mm-hmm. he's kind of right in the middle. So he can empathize with Laine, mm-hmm. and he can also empathize with Wheeler and Shifley. But to say that, like, he doesn't work hard and they ran him out of the room, like, I think that's a little extreme. Now, we have heard that there has been a lot of friction between those. Like, and this, is, this, hasn't, this isn't just all coming out. It's, this is not like Dubois, where this is all coming out kind of like after he leaves. No, this has been going on for a while. We've heard for a long time of the clashes between specifically Wheeler and Line. Right. Where and Wheeler kind of alluded to it as you mentioned. Yes. And Wheeler, but like we've heard a lot about this and it, it getting to almost a and again, this is going back to the Winnipeg Jets, because there's something another thing I want to touch on here is there's something rotten in the water in Winnipeg. Because think about all the like how many teams have multiple of these sagas? Because we already had the tracksuit saga with Dustin Bufflin and Evander Kane recently this this franchise okay, but neither of those players are there anymore and i know but, okay, but also evander but the infrastructure kane, is still there evander kane i know but was, the but uh, the but yeah. the infrastructure is still there shovel day off and maurice are still there and and under their and under their guys we've seen star players come in and immediately want to leave or, and publicly and loudly clash with teammates on the way out. Okay, but so here's the deal. This I, is a trend now. No, I think I think that you're reading far too into. The, I don't the, think I am. Okay, so Evander Kane doesn't count. Yeah, it's Evander Kane. He doesn't count. But then and look we're what happened. End it there. But then look what happened with Bufflin again. Bufflin just didn't want to play hockey. Yeah, but the, but that he like, doesn't want to play for anyone. It has nothing to do with Winnipeg. But he Rachel, just doesn't want to play. But Rachel, there are breadcrumbs here. We have we have Bufflin and Kane. They cl- don't objectively. Dustin Bufflin just lost. 
I know. His affinity for hockey, and that happens. A Vander Kane outright doesn't count. Yeah, Vander Kane's a piece of shit. We know that. Okay, so now we need to talk about, like, you are making conclusions based on a guy who just... Things that I've been seeing. uh, Okay, so a guy that we've now identified who doesn't count... Because he's he been not, a menace everywhere. I know he's, he's okay. Again, I know he's been a menace. But these things. But then, what is what is going on with Winnipeg that they're bringing in all these menaces? Like, first like of all, he came from Atlanta before Kevin Shoveldayoff was even there. But okay, but Rachel, I get that. I get that. But there, but this is a pattern. There are multiple of these, and then as as well, we have we have Roslovic who straight up said, "I'm never playing for the Jets again." Like, we can't ignore this. Okay, Jack Roslevic, I think there like there might be something there, but we also have no information yes. about that, so it's not fair to speculate. But, okay, I'm not speculating, but what I'm, I'm just showing by the facts, if there, if this happened with the Leafs, people would be like, this is a, this, this organization is cancerous. There's something nuclear in the water um, people here. People don't want to play here to begin with most of the, t- like, in, up until re- very recently. Yeah, people didn't want to play him. There in, were moratoriums about, on it, and then people didn't want to play in Winnipeg either. All the time. Look at this, look what's happened. There have been so many public and loud exits here. That and I get that there's like special circumstances. But Paul Maurice hasn't been involved in all of them. Like you're forgetting that Claude Noel coached there as well. Yeah, for sure. And I have worked with Claude Noel. Yeah. We worked together in New Jersey. Objectively, one of the best people in hockey. Great. I know. I'm not criticizing Claude Noel. I, I know that you so have personal I, relationships, but like, I'm saying that Dustin I'm seeing Bufflin these things. Doesn't want to play hockey anymore, and he flat he came out and said it had nothing to do with the Jets. Mm-hmm. He just didn't want to play hockey anymore. Okay, I, Evander Kane doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So. Now we're at Ross Levick and Line. Line, I truly believe there were some confrontations with stronger personalities, mm-hmm. and that can lead to a 22-year-old feeling a little bit ostracized. And you're not going to choose. And what what didn't what surprised me is you're not going to choose your second overall pick, who's 22 years old, who has f- like. No, you're not going to choose him over your captain, quite frankly. Over Blake Wheeler. You're not choosing him over Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Absolutely not. Do you not go no, in you there are not. as as a GM, nope. as a coach? No, I'm not saying you're going to choose him over. As a GM or as a coach, you have to make that work. You have to go in there and mend those yeah, bridges. Yeah, but there's some people, there's some times where it just doesn't work. Like, you and I, obviously, we're not going to get into this because I don't want to get sued. Yeah. But my situation in my previous workplace mm-hmm. got to a point where it was like, fuck it. We're done. And I don't think it got to that this point here. No, but what I'm saying is, is you have clashing personalities. Yes. You have an untenable situation and there are, it comes to a point where it doesn't work and there is no fixing. There is, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. There is no amount of money mm-hmm. or guarantees that they could have made me that would have made me go, I'll give it, I'll give it another chance. Yeah. And, and Patrick Liney may or may not have been in that situation. Jack Rossovic clearly was. Yeah. But that is, first of all, Paul Maurice doesn't work this long in hockey with yeah. the amount of respect he has. And no one has a bad thing to say about him. Mm. Like, no one has a bad thing to say about Paul Maurice. He is known as the league's best communicator as a coach, which frankly is very difficult to find with, in the NHL. Best communicator with both his players and the media. He's a incre- he's, he's a fantastic. So interview. I really don't think that fantastic. Paul Maurice needs to be getting dumped on by people. Hey, I'm not dumping no, on Paul Maurice. No, but in general, I think the I think if you have an untenable situation between personalities, but when sometimes it just doesn't work. But when there's that much money at stake, you have to like there has to be something they go like they're you I'm have sure to there's self-reflection find. going on right now no i'm telling you mikey mm-hmm. 
there are there is a situation. No, I know there are situations that are untenable. There are people who I will straight up not work with. Exactly. They they could offer you ten million dollars, and you would be like, No, I'm not doing it. So maybe this was that situation where Patrick Liney genuinely felt that it was untenable personality wise, mm-hmm. and therefore he wanted out, and he has every right. Absolutely, to that. absolutely. And so I don't. I think that. Patrick Liney is going to go through a period of self-reflection. And I think the Jets also need to go through a period of self-reflection. But I think a lot of people are looking to assign blame here. Mm -hmm. And the reality of the situation is, in this type of situation, everyone wears some blame. I wear some of the blame for what happened in New Jersey. I certainly don't wear all of it. No, definitely. (laughs) But I wear some of it. And I did some self-reflecting. And I understand that. In the same way that Patrick Liney has blame here. Mark Shifley has blame here. Uh, Blake Wheeler has blame here. Management has blame here. Yeah. The coaching staff has blame here. But it's not, it's only player X's fault. It's only no, no, this no. person's fault. I would never, I wasn't saying that. What I'm saying is you're seeing, and I'm sure that this happens on teams a lot. Like these, these situations happen a lot. Locker rooms don't have to gel completely. Not everyone, it's not going to be, you know, Ted Lasso all the time. But in Winnipeg, at least, these things seem to come out. See, there's the difference. Yes. Is they come out. Yeah. Yeah. This happens way more. Do you? This I, happens like, all the time. We this live, happens in the Leafs dressing room four times a year. Oh, yeah. It, it, and a, it just doesn't come out. There's a lot of shit. Which is miraculous considering how much goddamn media there is exactly. in the fucking city. But this, that's my biggest thing here is that there are these public, like, there are these, there are these fiery clashes. But and I again, also think that it might be because that's the only sports team in Winnipeg. Yes, but there are a <laughs> that lot is of, the only thing happening in Winnipeg. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of places where, you know, it's the only thing happening there. And well, it doesn't count for anywhere in the U.S. Things. because hockey's not the number one thing anywhere in the U.S. Like in any of the cities, we don't hear this stuff in Calgary. And what they only have a CFL team there. Same with Vancouver. Like same with Edmonton. Like they're like Montreal only has one team, and it's the it's the uh, Montreal has a TMZ dedicated to them. Exactly, but we don't hear. But we um, don't we, hear. We yes, don't even we hear did. these a things. PK Subban, we heard way too much about. Yeah. Uh, Max Pacioretty, we heard far too much about. Uh, Carey Price, uh, I don't know if it's as public as exactly potentially exactly. No, though. but it's out there. Like if you looked hard enough, but you no one's could reporting on it. it. But we hear with Winnipeg, and then it, cul- it culminates in these messy breakups that they have these you know untenable personalities, or they have these personalities that put together in in the organization that's been that's overseen by the same management group and the same coach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place the blame mainly on management because the manager's been there the entire time that's been a franchise. And keep I in think mind, they wear some of it, yeah. And keep in mind, this says, this team has only been in existence for less than a decade. Right, but there and are players he- in that organization that have been like... Yeah, but but this team in existence has only been there for a decade and we didn't hear this stuff when they were in Atlanta. Yeah, and because nobody fucking exactly. cared. Exactly, but now they go here and this is happening time and time again. We don't see these holdouts. We don't see these... We don't see 40, like, 40 to 50 gold potential guys wanting to get out. We don't see, at the time, Vander King, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but he's a superstar. We don't see... He's these, not a superstar. Whoa. At the, at the time, he no, was a... No, he was not at a At the time, he was a, big, he was a big player. He's a... He's a top line player. Exactly. At the time, he's not a at superstar. The time, he's, at the time, yes, at the time when he was in Winnipeg, people thought he was better than he was. He was foreseen as a very good player. Yes, not yeah, yeah, yeah. even in the same breath as Patrick Liney. No, but 
top line player and it's and it's a clash with a top line player who then later and again has nothing to do with the Jets but later when his career ended it was a very messy one as well and then a couple of years later we have we hear you know constant rumblings and clashes between the top players on these teams this is not you know a, a rookie getting into it with a veteran these are the this is the top nucleus of this team that a lot of money a lot of assets they say if you fuck up you know a top five pick that can set your your organization back for five years and so we see this happening time and time again in Winnipeg and I know from speaking I've spoken to a lot of Winnipeg, like Jets fans and a lot of people who live in Winnipeg just to, to research this this is a dark day for the Winnipeg Jets oh yeah they're not happy but let's I mean this is a troubling we are trend basically which is this is something I I absolutely despise doing and I it, can't which believe is speculation. I allowed to this to go on as long as it is so I'm stopping it now yeah so we're gonna we're go done to the, talking about the Jets so we're gonna go to the Martin we're gonna go to the Leclerc Martin Leclerc Piece. Yeah. CBC News, Montreal. And we are not dissecting this in the way that we just dissected. No. So, the but these these are some very interesting little snippets here too. Because, so Martin Leclerc from CBC Montreal, he talks about and he he put a piece out as well that talks about the breakdown in the relationship between Dubois and and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So again, according to Martin Leclerc. Dubois had a house built in Columbus that he moved into last summer. He bought a new build. Okay. Yeah, he didn't. So build he didn't. He didn't build that. He, he, he didn't buy the plot he, and then build it. No. Okay. He bought a new build. Okay. So already that's. <laughs> and again, okay. To be fair, this was translated from French. Okay, so that so could there's be lost so there's some lost in translation stuff here. But so why if he's gonna buy a house, not rent, not do anything, you know? And again, real estate. This is this is proposed by him. Why you know why would a year later he would be he would be so firm on getting mean, out? What do you mean a year? Four months later, he bought this new last build. summer. No, no, no. He bought this new build in August. Like we're talking six months ago. In this piece, he was saying he had a he had a house built in Columbus that he moved into last summer. Does that does that, that mean like the summer, summer that August just happened? Twenty twenty. Yes. Okay, so not even a year later. Four months he, later. Yeah. He four months a later. Trade. Why would he? And and like not just to request a trade and like keep playing and see what plays out. Like request a no, trade. Act like a child. Act like a child. Literally, stop trying. Be James Harden without the without the you know thirty ten and fifteen stat line every night. Um, why would he want out? So again, he goes on to report that when training camp opened this year, Torts assistants were told not to speak with Dubois. I don't think that's true. Okay. Then, so this is what happened. So Dubois and Yarmo, like Dubois side and Yarmo Kekalainen and kind of came to the conclusion that Dubois wanted out. Okay. So they kind of settled on an agreement that it was a two year deal. And when the economy of the league settled down, you know, after COVID stopped, you know, kicking their ass, they then looked for a trade that was Smart. Re- that was equal value for both sides. So okay. it, was, it was pretty amicable. It was like, look, this isn't going to work out. So we'll, so we'll sign a, we'll sign a two year extension. Gives us some wiggle room here. You keep playing for us. You know, we'll keep paying you. Five million dollars a year. That's not bad. It's good money. And let's right. And let's be clear here. Pierre Luc Dubois agreed to this. Yes, Pierre Luc Dubois agreed. Okay. He, the, he didn't. You know, he didn't get kidnapped and then forced into this. He. he this was signed upon the dotted line by yeah. him. And then, so when the economy of the league settled down, they looked for a trade. This was supposed to be kept confidential. That was on the agreement. Supposed to be kept in house. And to be fair, we didn't hear anything about this for a long time. The all the. All of the breakdown in this relationship hit us really quickly and out of the blue because for all intents and purposes, we were like, all right, so how does Columbus build around Pierre-Luc Dubois for the foreseeable future? They got this 22-year-old superstar, or not superstar, this 22-year-old top-line center. So Leclerc, and again, this is Leclerc yep. from CBC Montréal. He reports that Torts, he highly insinuates that it's Torts who is the one that leaked PLD's unhappiness 
out there. Okay. Towards the guy who doesn't enjoy talking to the media is the one that leaked exactly. it. That seems a little but, so, but in, No, but in the piece, he pointed to Torts is usually super sure with the media. And then when talking about Dubois, the Dubois situation, he elaborates a lot. And to be fair, he's kind of got a point to that. Like there was okay. like Torts is usually just like fuck off anytime someone tries to talk to him on a podium. But when he was on a radio show and asked this pointed question about his number one center, he pretty he went in depth. He was talking about, you know, we have been told a reason this, that, right. whatever. But again, as well, this doesn't jive with Dubois' comments out the door where he essentially was like, no, like I like it's easy. It's easy to blame towards for this. Like you would think that like his, even line a like, yeah, he didn't put the blame on on anyone, but he still was more. He still left the door open a little bit in his comments for interpretation that way. Dubois shut that down pretty quickly. And given how he's acted, I don't think he's that sort of like polite, really. So this so. All this is peculiar. What What's your take on this? So can and we how start much? with one thing? Sure. It has now been said by both the organization and the player. Yes. Privately yeah. to me and publicly mm-hmm. that this is not a torts issue. Yes. That I, narrative is fucking lazy. It's, it's, the, it's the easiest narrative. It's literally like fiery coach. Weird situation. Let's connect the two. There's no. Yeah. I'm so tired of that narrative. Mm. Torts is known for his communication Vincent LeCavalier and Marty St. Louis have both come out publicly and privately. Marty St. Louis went back to work with him in Columbus um, and said how fantastic of a coach he was. Michael Del Zotto had torts as a coach in New York Mm -hmm. and now came to Columbus of all places to play for torts. Like, I don't know why people want to draw these conclusions just because he's testy with the media, but there really isn't a track record of Torts driving players out of town. Torts didn't yeah. drive Panarin out of town. No. He wanted to play in New York. And Burbowski, I hate to break it to you, but New York isn't fucking Columbus, guys. It's funny as well that Dubois wa- uh, reportedly wanted out to play in a bigger market and got traded to the Ohio of Canada. He literally <laughs> got traded to a smaller market. Yeah, it's, that, I, I tweeted out like, like... at least Winnipeg's the center of attention. Like, the Jets are the center of attention in Winnipeg. So that's like getting traded to Green Bay. Like, yeah, like, they're not, it's not a big city. I mean, he's going to have more endorsement deal because he's going to be in Canada. He's in Canada, but, but... it's not, like, it certainly isn't Montreal. It's not Montreal, it's not but, Toronto, okay, it's not so New York. Okay, so the Torch narrative... Yeah. Inaccurate. So stop la- saying la- it. It's lazy. It's, it's lazy. It's Let's lazy. Just... Find as as Brian Colangelo's wife says. Find a new slant. It's the Nylander doesn't try hard. It's the tr- it's the yeah, trade Nylander of, of to coaching me, narratives. Anytime I hear now, like going forward, unless there's legitimately founded mm-hmm. um, basis for this, anytime someone says, "Oh, it's fucking torts again," I'm literally gonna be like, "Your opinion does not mean shit to me anymore." Yeah, you you. I just know right now that you, that you didn't do your research. I haven't spoken to a single person yeah. that thinks it's torts. And Rachel, you speak to a lot of connected people in hockey, don't you? Like, not a single person thinks it's towards. Usually I get, like, two or three people that are like, you know, like, I heard this situation yeah. X happen. I and none of that. If we recall, too. Torts was called like he's been amenable to change. Like he was called like they had a team wide meeting where they're essentially like, hey, man, chill the fuck out. And he was like, OK. okay. And then he wanted Jack Adams. <laughs> and then he also just started wearing turtlenecks on the bench, yeah, which I think I think, by just the way, because he isn't nice to the media people doesn't yeah. mean you get to make shit up about him, which is well, I think that the most powerful outfit a man can wear is blazer turtleneck. I think that is it's the most so hot. I exactly. I think that is the most in terms of commanding authority. I think that's the most powerful outlet a man uh, outfit a man can wear. 
any hockey media people, get yourself turtleneck exactly. and wear it oh, on TV. Next time I'm on TV, that's what I'm wearing. You're, yes, yeah. you damn, damn well I right. can't believe I didn't do that in, so before pandemic. Me, and then we get into the Pierre-Luc yeah. Dubois interview with Ron McLean on a hockey night in Canada. Yes. He mentions that negotiations were what spurred this. Mm-hmm. And he went out of his way to say that he thought that Torts was trying to help him, yeah. that he appreciated it, and that it was not Torts's fault. Yeah. I believe the exact verbiage he used where I know a lot of people think this was the breakdown was between me and Torts, but it wasn't his fault. It's essentially what we I were saying. I don't know what to fucking tell you guys, but hockey players aren't exactly the most honest people no. with the media. So for him to say that probably tells me he's telling the truth. He essentially said exactly what we just said, that it's a lazy narrative. Well, yeah, like if if a coach, if you truly had an issue with a coach, you certainly wouldn't go out of your way to say nice things about yeah. him. You would say no. nothing. You may take a swipe at him. You may say nothing, but you certainly wouldn't go out of your way to say, I appreciate yeah. him. Yeah. I understand where he's coming from, and it's not his fault. Listen, there have been employers that I've left, and I have not offered glowing praise of them publicly, but I'm not going to take a swipe at them. But but at the same time, again, I'm not going to offer growing praise. Them. Look, look, I'll be fair. When I left Fansided, I fucking hated Fansided. But when I, when I announced it, I didn't say, thank God I'm out of here. Like, these guys suck. And, <laughs> but I also didn't say, oh, I had such a great time here. I just said, I am leaving. You can find me here. And that kind of just like, and that was sort of it. I feel like you've also commented to me that like my public discussion yeah. surrounding my New Jersey stuff has been very nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like you... Exactly. And so what I'm saying, what I, I say all this to say... You don't need to kick people on the way out. Like, it's just not necessary. But I'll say this to say that Dubois didn't have to go out of his way to defend Torts. He wasn't required to do that. He could have He could have given a canned PR answer. Yeah. He could have said, oh, you know... That his agent prepared for him. Yeah, he could have said, oh, you know, a lot of the times, you know, in, in hockey things get heated. Or, you know, oh, the, uh, not everyone sees eye to eye sometimes, but I respect him as a person. No, he said, I know he's trying to help me. Well, a lot of people think this is a Torts issue. It's not. He didn't have to say that. No. But he did. So that's got to point to something important here. But he did say negotiations mm-hmm. were what spurred this. And then Yarmo Kekalainen went on Leafs lunch. Yes. And to me, Yarmo Kekalainen is probably the most honest GM out Very there. Like, blunt. He literally just tells it like it is. He's the opposite of Lou. Yeah. Like, he, and don't get me wrong, I love Lou. Like Lou like tangos around the point. Yarmo like cannonballs onto it. Exactly. Like he, yeah. And he goes, what Pierre-Luc Dubois comments about negotiations were patently false. Yeah. yeah. That's the exact quote, by the way. We're both listening at the same time. We heard it. We're patently false. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So what can you tell me about these negotiations that went so south? Okay, so I think it's probably important to point out that he's a former first overall, or a third, third overall pick. Third overall pick, the first round pick is what mm. I meant to say there. Um, he's at the end of his first contract. Yep. Like The negotiations nowadays can be contentious, and we're going to get into power dynamics in the NHL a little bit later. His team has made has, has won multiple playoff rounds. And he's been at the forefront of that. Right. He's been their top line center. Yeah. So he, in his first three seasons, 48 points in 82 games, 61 points in 82 games, and 49 and 70. Yeah. Those are, those are good stat lines, but they're not, they're, they're not, not elite. Least, they're yeah, not, they're not, they're gonna not, blow you out of the water. Let's, in, in comparison, they are not these stat lines. Mm-hmm. 85 points in 82 games, uh, 62 points in 82 games, 60 points in 68 games. Which is the, Who are those from? Uh, Matthew Barzell. Okay. 
Uh, Is there another like prominent center, you know, someone who was picked in the top three in recent drafts who he might have thought himself to be a comparable of? So generally, when you have a nice playoff, which Pierre-Luc Dubois, we, I think you and I objectively admit, did. He was fantastic in the in the bubble. Oh, he he was he was great. Like he he steamrolled the Leafs almost single handedly. Right. So you could get feeling confident and you could you, potentially feeling, have an overinflated look, man, sense of self. You're feeling yourself. OK, right. I'm going to read you a stat line from a player's first uh, three years, and I want you to tell me if it sounds the same. Now, I, I will preface this by saying the numbers are hard, and I might not be able to grasp these, but let, let's let's give it a shot. Uh, 56 points in 81 games. That's pretty good. 57 points in 61 games. Ooh, that's almost a point per game. Uh, 64 points in 67 games. Not too bad. Almost a point per game as well. Okay. New contract. Yeah. 82 points in 77 games. Damn. 78 points in 68. Damn. Seems pretty good, right? Really good. I would say, like, is that guy a center? Uh, yeah. Wow, that's, though, especially, it, it really impresses me that he signs this new deal and then just, like, hits another level. Weird. Also, would this would this player have been surrounded by a much worse supporting cast than Pierre Lutubois would have been? Yes. Okay. So then we also have to take into account that impact on production and the amount of ice time and the role that he had on that team. Okay. Okay. Um. Who's that from? His name is uh, Jack Eichel. Now, if I were... Do you know who that is? I've heard his name before. Right. Yeah. He, he does play... We drafted uh, behind some other dude. Uh, yeah, some guy was going to get traded soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, do you want to know who was drafted a couple picks after Jack Eichel? Enlighten me, please. Um, so, this particular individual... Yeah. ...had uh, 61 points in 77 games. Wow. it's pretty good. 69 points in 82 games. Okay. Pretty good. His contract nice. here... 94 points. In how many games? Uh, 82. Oh. If my, if my math is correct, that's over a point per game. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and then he signed a nice contract. For him, not for the team. For him, <laughs> yeah. Um, and followed it with yeah. uh, 67 points in 59 games. Now, if I were Does to... that seem good? Seems pretty good. Now, if I were to make a list of the hardest working players on this person, on this player's team... <laughs> To the least hardest working, where would this guy rank? <laughs> he would rank in the middle. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so I have now read you the stat lines for Matt Barzell, who signed yeah. three for years more money than Pierre Luc Dubois. And I'm sure if I said to you, Michael Stevens. Yes, that's my name. Um, I am going to allow you to mm. build your hockey team. You Great. may choose one of these two players. Trevor Moore. Okay, so Mike is fired. <laughs> um, you may choose Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah. or Matthew Barzell. Before, I'm going to not even let you finish that sentence. I'm going to say Matt Barzell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All due respect um, to PLD. Let's now do the same thing. Okay. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois or Jack Eichel. I, before you even <laughs> let off his last name, which is taking a big risk, but I feel like I know where you're going, Jack Eichel. Yeah, because I could go Jack Johnson. And that that could that really would that would that would screw me, especially building a team around that guy. Now, not ideal. That'd be rough. So here's the deal: Pierre Luc Dubois, fantastic yeah. in the playoffs, and we know historically that if a player is fantastic in the mm -hmm. playoffs, see Brian Bickle, see Fernando Pisani, yes, see they <laughs> Sean Bergenheim, anyone inflated contracts. They do. So perhaps mm -hmm. this man had a bit of an inflated sense of self, swinging his dick around. Um and maybe asked for something a little bit outside of his talent level. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois is a fantastic hockey player. Mm -hmm. If he came to me saying, I want $10 million, I'd be like, well, there's the fucking door. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd drive him there. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't even grace him with my presence and drive I go, him. I'll give you a prove-it contract. You can have a two-year deal at 
this five million dollar. If you if you come out with those with those numbers that yeah. the other guys are putting up, I'm happy to give you ten million. Mm-hmm. Happy to. If he came in my office and if I was a GM and he came in my office and demanded that, I wouldn't even spend. I wouldn't even ex- like spend the money that the team spends on a car service to get into the airport. I, I'd be like, find your own way. There. I You're think a fair here. deal long term for Pierre Luc Dubois would have been about eight eight five. Yeah, like a little bit more than Nico Heischer. I'm trying to think of who made like. And this is not me being sarcastic. I'm trying to think genuinely who makes, like, who's a center. Like, a, like uh, doesn't Patrice Bergeron make around that? Okay, but that's not a fair, because he signed well before. Okay, yeah. But something something along those like lines. Leon Dreisaitl? Oh, but that's even, like, Dreisaitl's underpaid now. No, but what I'm saying is this, for what he was getting, what, the points at he the was time, putting up at yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. that was a fair deal. Yes, yes. For what he was getting, everyone was like, oh my God, they're going to regret this contract. No, look, they will I not. Was, look, I was, I was in that camp too, because Dreisaitl did not look like a 50-goal scorer. And everyone was like, the fuck are you doing? And then he, he, he looked like a twenty gold guy. But Yarmo, credit to him, smaller market owner, not as rich. Yes, said you got to prove it. I'm not paying you mm-hmm. the Barzell Marner do uh, Eichel Eichel money. Yeah, when you haven't put up the numbers in their neighborhood, and that is shrewd management. I mean, it's it's legit. He, he deserves credit for that. Like where where the Leafs were hamstrung on Marner is. People are going, you're a winger, like, it's not... But Marner could just go, I scored 94 points in 80, 82 games. I scored 92, 94 points and in 82 games. And objectively, a 94-point player in Those don't today's fall from NHL trees. are $10 million players. Exactly. And so, although Marner is getting overpaid by, you know, maybe 1.5, then, I, then I'd like to pay him. Yeah, man, Still like... a fantastic Exactly. Player. And also... Barzal's gonna get a lot more money that he's getting paid Ooh, now on his next Oh my god, deal. that's a twelve million dollar contract it, coming. Yeah, that's gonna that, Nathan McKinnon too. Like once once the economy kind of gets back to normal and we don't have to say, oh, this is a COVID deal or whatever. Yeah. Like I feel like these next crop of players, given inflation, are, are gonna like eclipse what Connor's yeah. making. So I would say that. Dubois is probably going to outplay the value of the five million dollar contract in in Winnipeg, mm. and they will have to re-sign him. But yeah. And if he flourishes, which I hope he does, I wish him all the success, then he deserves a big contract. But... But you are not, you do not deserve to be paid $10 million if you are not a point-per-game player, at the minimum. It's also not even that, like, he did that, it's that... <sighs> like, he was putting up the same numbers as William Nylander. If William Nylander marched in there and said, I want $10 million... Which, for all intents and purposes, he might have done, we don't but, know. No, but if he was like, I want 10, like, I believe I deserve $10 million, or I am Jack Eichel, or I am Mitch Marner, or I am whomever... Yeah. Um, Like, he would have been run out of town, and people would have thrown tomatoes at his apartment window. Like, it would have been ridiculous. So I think that players, like, by all means, ask for the money. You might get it. But don't have a temper tantrum if you don't. Yeah. So is when, the, the moral of the story here. You don't get to act like a child. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, you're getting paid to play professional hockey. Your life is not that terrible. See, that's what I'm saying is that Dubois, like, yeah, you know, he came in there and he didn't want to play. And yeah, the like, whatever. But the, he went in there. He swung his dick around. He asked for way too much. And then when he didn't get it. He proceeded to play the most embarrassingly low effort hockey I think I have ever seen. That, that I, I sent it to my old junior hockey coach, and uh, I said to him, I go, uh, what would you, because I was his number one center. Yeah. I said, uh, what would you do if, if I put on a performance like this? And he goes, you'd never play a game in, in yeah. my uniform again. And this is an NHL player. Like, keep and, in uh, mind. Yeah. This is, like, you are getting paid to play hockey. Yeah. That's tough. That's, I think Patrick Laine deserves a ton of credit for requesting a trade at the beginning of 
last year. Yes, yes. Playing through, showing up this year, and being like a monster, a literal psycho in his first game, and and fighting a dude on behalf of his teammate yeah. and scoring the OT winner. Like, oh my god! Like, like he didn't have there to. There was a way to handle it and a way to not handle it, and exactly. we got our very much good examples right there. He didn't have to, like, Line A didn't have to report. Like, he could have done what Pooley Harvey did. He could have done, like, with these new deals. Which, he, LOL, they have a winger for McDavid now. Exactly. And, and we are definitely well, talking about that on Thursday. Exactly. What a shocker. Pooley Harvey is good. It, Who saw that coming? Um, everyone, everyone. Literally but, everyone. Everyone but Jim Matheson, apparently. But um, Okay, so let's have a discussion on power yes. dynamics in the NHL now, quickly can't be to too wrap long. things up. Yeah, because, so I think at the end of the day, where, where we can land on this trade is it's it's essentially the quintessential hockey trade for both sides. Winnipeg needed like had a lot of wingers. They have a lot of scoring wingers. They needed some more center depth. So now they've shorted up for potentially the foreseeable future. Columbus, on the other hand, they needed offensive pop. They needed a power play weapon. They need a guy who's dynamic and has a borderline elite skill set. And they got that. And they also got a really good middle six guy, unproven, but a guy who, if he hits his potential and he's in his happy place now in his hometown surrounded by good pieces he can do that at a cost control rate for this year and next so i think that that's i think both teams do that as well where i land on it is that winnipeg gave up on a 22 year old second uh second overall pick with with 40 to 50 goal potential um due to clashing personalities that i think could probably that 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 could have been avoided maybe and then on the other side pierre dubois better fucking show up and play his ass off in Winnipeg after the shit he just pulled. Yeah, like he better run some people over and score some goals. He better start putting he better make that line eight or, or that uh that Eichel leap. He better be like, that I, player. I, I I was talking to someone and the word we landed on was he needs to participate. Exactly. Literally just participate. But even even look okay like again it's it's a different sport but look at James Harden. James Harden was like James he Harden, wore a fat suit. James Harden <laughs> basically wore a fat suit. He, if you had a day off, he would fly to Atlanta and cl- go to clubs and like every stripper in that city. Like he had them on speed dial. He was known for doing that. But 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 Can you imagine if a hockey player did that. Be nuts. But, be a, oh my god. But when he but when he came back to the team, he would drop like thirty. Um, he drop a double double pretty much. Oh, a triple-double. He yeah. would drop like 30, 15, and 10. He's still a superstar. It, he would be, he'd be like the equivalent of showing up and scoring every night. He would be a top five He would, he'd be a top five player in the NBA. He'd be a franchise player. Yeah. He is one of the best players in the league. Pierre-Luc Dubois is not even close to that. And when he was not even close, not even the same sentence, not even the same thought bubble. I genuinely don't think he's a top 15 center in the NHL. Exactly. He might not even be top twenty. Right is he now. better Maybe than Kevin Hayes? Because that's the real that's the real <laughs> okay. question. Yeah. Um, but okay, so power and yet he pulled this shit though in in the NHL. The reason I think we even have to have mm-hmm. this discussion is because RFAs yeah. have no leverage. This will be enlightening like, to me too because you have a lot of really good insight on this. Like, so a perfect example is like we talked about it earlier, and we're going to talk about it on Thursday. But like Quinn Hughes has zero leverage. He's a 10.2 C, mm-hmm. which means he's not even eligible to get an offer sheet. So he has to play in Vancouver or nowhere else. It's actually what my mentor calls a black hole contract because you yeah. literally don't have a choice. You could play here or nowhere else. So they could say, look, we're going to pay you unless you want to hold out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he's in that black hole. And yeah. that's obviously that's he's basically handcuffed. He has nothing to do. Yeah, that's his fault. Is it his fault? Yes, he chose to come out and play in that 
Like, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. And so that is. But the fact that, like, no one signs meaningful offer sheets, um, you're looked at as, like, GMs don't sign it because there's a gentleman's agreement. Fuck that. That's a joke. What, what, there's a what, gentleman's agreement what's to the not real, sign RFAs. What's the real reason, then? That's what I'm saying, is there's a gentleman's agreement yeah. between the GMs. Which is ridiculous. It's so dumb. It's unbelievable. It's it's harmful to the sport. Like it's, it's harm- extremely harmful to the sport. To the product that's trying not to make to you money. Not to mention these kids. Like we're finding out more and more that the the peak of careers is earlier. And yeah, so it's these not kids when you're in, in arguably some of their best years are not even in control of their own destiny. No. And I don't think that's right. It's not. I really don't. I think you should be an RFA for your first two contracts. Mm-hmm. So. Perfect example here, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's an RFA after his first deal. Yep. And then he's a UFA after his second. He could do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right? Or change the RFA mechanism so that people actually do it. Yeah, you should You should be a UFA. like. And you don't be villainizing players for requesting trades. If you're going to villainize a player, villainize them because they didn't show up and they didn't try. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois, he fully deserved oh my to God, be yeah. chastised That's for embarrassing. whatever the hell that was. That's that embarrassing. was completely embarrassing. That's a joke. But like Patrick Laine should not be vilified for requesting a trade out of Winnipeg, even though he showed up every night. Yeah. Still scored. If somebody on the Leafs requests a trade, if Austin Matthews requests a trade for whatever the, for whatever reason, mm. but until he's traded, he still scores his 40 goals and puts up all his points, mm. and he, he doesn't deserve to be chastised for that. Maybe he just doesn't want to be here. Exactly. Like, we can't be villainizing 22-year-olds no. for, for just saying, you know what, I, this situation isn't a positive work environment yeah. for me. In the same way that, like, if you're working somewhere that isn't a positive environment for you, you're going to want to leave. And you don't mm-hmm. want someone to say, no, you're not allowed to do that, which is effectively what we're doing here. I, I, I don't very think unfamiliar they, with that situation. I've never been so in it. So am I. actually never I've never been in me. it and never currently been in it. It's, it's crazy. I've, it's never happened to me. Never. Not no, once. never. So I think the power dynamics in the NHL, like, players are not in control of their own destiny whatsoever. No, they aren't. And I don't necessarily agree with how the NBA does its business either because I think you have players doing a little bit too much willy-nilly nonsense. Yeah, it's getting... It's, it's a little out of control, but I think we need to find a balance. There is on one end NBA where players can do whatever they want, essentially, create super teams, do everything. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's baseball where you're like you hit free agency, like actual free agency for the first time when you're like 30. Like yeah. legitimately you are, if you're a contract, your contract can get renewed for 80% of its original value for that next season for, I think three years. And then you're arbitration eligible for another three. And then you hit free agency. Yeah. Like it's crazy. That's insane. That's six years. And I mean, whereas this is like, whereas in the NHL, like, yeah, it sucks. I think you're, yeah. There's, like There's no way that like Neil Pionk should be an RFA after his current deal is up. Like there are these guys, like they're like Josh Levo was an RFA, like up until last year. Like there are guys who are signing these bridge deals that keep them under RFA status, that just keep them landlocked in these places that they clearly yeah, don't want to be. Yeah, and I don't, I don't agree with that. It's like, because it, it gives the players no power. Mm-hmm. And if we want to see big, entertaining trades, yeah. then two things need to happen. One, 
We need some salary cap exceptions. Yes, we need a luxury tax or we need trade exceptions or we need something. So, like we need a, like a bird rule. Yes, exactly. Right? Bird, a bird rule would be fantastic for the NHL. Yeah, like imagine if the Oilers could bird rule McDavid. Like could go over by 10% to assign McDavid. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Or Tampa could do that with some of their players. Or like, like in MLS, what they have is designated players. So you get three players that don't count against your salary cap. And those are generally the players that come from Europe that get paid Damn. like six million dollars or whatever. Okay, I feel like but that's no, not. If you just have one player, yeah. That's, so if, if McDavid was exempt, if Matthews was exempt, if whomever, if if Mark Shifley was exempt, mm-hmm. or whoever you want to exempt, yeah. If if they're exempt, you could choose one. Would that right? not then create a, like a power dynamic on the team? An, but it also gives GMs another excuse to sign really bad, dumb-ass deals. But I still think we need some But those bad, dumb-ass deals wouldn't hurt them, though, because they don't count against the cap. Oh, no, I'd still find... they No, because you. I would say that, like, you... It has to be a player that you drafted. Okay. That could be exempt. But then, like, if Mitch was jealous of Austin for the deal that he got, like, in... Like, imagine You just if, say, no, that's our exception. Too bad. We've already filed it. But just... But imagine, imagine the dynamic that would create with these players. Like... That is what it is. I know. It's just... But the reality of the situation is, is the owners and, the, like, the way the NHL works right now is the players have no power. And if we want to be an entertaining league mm-hmm. that reaches other... Like, reaches new fans... We need to create some room for some players to have some power Mm -hmm. so that we can have these entertaining trades, so that we can have these conversations about getting a young 24-year-old in UFA. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if in three years from now, Matt Barzell was a UFA? That'd be sick. craziness that would ensue? Connor McDavid is going to be a a UFA when he's like 28. He's going to be a UFA in 2026, which is a fictional year. It's 2021 right now. He's going to be a UFA when he's 29. How old is he right now? 23? He turned 24 last week. Okay, yeah, so he'll be 20 he'll be 29 by the time he's a yeah. free agent. Now, which, he's still going to be really good. But like his, he'll be on he, whoever signs that contract with him will be getting the downside of McDavid's prime. Which Just is, how Okay, but look Crosby's downside. Like it's No, I know, but still, but but at the same time, like whoever signs that contract, like yeah, it's all relative, but still, like McDavid will be, you know, he'll he'll be flirting with 100 points that whole time. Great. It'll still be the downside. Like it's still like to me You should be able to sign a 24-year-old, a guy who's peak. And GM still have way too much power. And with that, we have we are going a little bit over so we're going to push the Kovalev shift to next week. Um, so because we are, uh, we're having a guest on next week. We're not going to tell you who. We're not going to, we're going to tease it. And neither of us are going to spoil this like maybe another hockey podcast usually does, <laughs> Steve. Um, but it's going to be great. So thank you for, uh, for joining us today. This has been a, a crazy week and we can't wait to be back in your ears. I'll be getting birthday cake next yeah, episode. Yeah, so we're into we, the microphone. We are legitimately recording on Rachel's birthday. I was actually pissed about this because yeah. I wanted... My I'm gonna I'm gonna to have myself. a cake here, man. I like honestly might be drunk. Great, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a drunk Rachel pod. I'll be, be eating McDonald's and birthday cake. Yeah, you mean it'll be great content. A birthday cake made of McDonald's. <laughs> I'm 100 getting sued then. Oh, I can't wait. That's why we have that's why we have our lovely producer Connor to protect us from the, the legal amount of time the legal gray that areas man. that we uh, wade into. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at StaffGraph on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, so that's what you like to call it. Spotify, you know, Google Play, iHeartRadio, any any podcatcher you can a, think of. A rating? Yes, rate us and review us. So we can rocket up those charts even more than and even we'll more than we are. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna read some fun ones. Um, and the I merch also, is available. On I also Redbubble. Loki. Yes, and our, we have our we have our merch 
We have our merch shop open on Redbubble. It's redbubble.com slash staffgraph or staffangraph, I think. We'll get the official link. It's, it's pinned to our it, Twitter It's pinned account. to our Twitter. It's great. Honestly, I've gotten nothing but great feedback from everyone who, is, who has got stuff. We got shirts. Tea, we got... We got uh, uh, Everything. Crewnecks, hoodies. It's, it's fantastic. Phone cases, all that. It's, fan, it, it's great. And yeah, you can follow Rachel at Rachel Dory, me at Mikey Stevens 81. And until Friday, I guess, in your ears... Peace.